What's up, everybody? You're listening to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Association podcast, a product of the Oregon Basketball Coaches Association. To get the most up-to-date info, visit our website at or.nhsbca.org. Enjoy. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Season 4, Episode 5 of the Oregon Basketball Coaches Association podcast. I'm Eddie Townsend. OBCA board member and assistant boys basketball coach at Newport High School. Today I'm joined by Doug Miles, girls basketball coach at Marshfield High School. Coach, how's it going? Going very good. Thanks. So uh, you, you know, we were just talking before we got going. 29th year of teaching. Uh, what year of coaching is this for you? I believe that it is um, going to be. Let's see here. I think 21st, 21st year of head coach. Your 21st year, you're one of the more seasoned coaches there are, you know, um, going right now. So, Coach, those that aren't familiar with you and your journey, um, tell us about that basketball journey you've been on and how you ended up as the girls' basketball coach at Marshfield High School in 2022. Okay. Well, um, it started when I was at Oregon State, and I ran into um, – Dave Garvin, a Philomath, longtime Philomath coach at a, like a youth basketball thing. I was supervising a gym as like a weekend job for, um, just, just a part-time job to help survive in college. And, um, I, I was a junior in college and, um, I had played for Dave on this like all-star team, um, a few years before that. And he saw me and he's like, Hey, come and coach with us. And then, so I did that. I volunteered as a freshman assistant coach. Uh, in Philomath's program, and it's just, I mean, Dave is an incredible coach um, and uh, was really good to be, uh, mentor. And then um, and then the next year, the JV coach um, got moved to the girls program late and like a week before the season started. So even though I probably wasn't ready to be a, you know, JV coach at that point, I think I was 20 one or something like that uh dave dave's like hey yeah you can do this and i don't know that there's any other options so i was the jv coach at flomas and um dave's assistant for a year and then i graduated and um i got hired at madras and then i and i I got the jv job there uh under evan brown and another incredible coach um and so i i think uh I was in the six years that I was an assistant, the programs I was under brought home five state trophies, um, just incredible mentor coaches. Um, but yeah, it was really a fun run. Um, What years were roughly what, what was that timeline? Okay. So let's see. (laughs) Good grief. I should, I should know this. Um, so yeah, um, I would say that like 91, I was at Loma. For two years, and then um, like ninety three to ninety six or seven, ninety seven probably. I was at um, Madras. Maybe it was ninety two and ninety three at Philomath, and then ninety four to ninety eight at Madras type span. So, um, and when you were at Madras, were they was he running the system then? No, he wasn't. In fact, he was as far away from that as you could get. <laughs> he was he was walking up. Uh, he shot. We shot a lot of. We shot three just in the flow of the offense. But he was super disciplined. Uh, we would run the run our uh, one four offense for a minute. You know, I mean, 
he was super disciplined and full man to man. Um, you know, just very, uh, simple stuff that he just so disciplined in it and just, uh, it, it was really fun. He, he was, he was a really good coach and, um, uh, and again, great, two great mentor coaches with Dave Garvin and Evan Brown, two of the best coaches I've ever been around. So it was really a great experience, uh, for me. And then, um, I think we played in the state, let's see here, we, we played for third at Columbus and then I went to Marsh or Madras and I think we got a fourth, a third, a second, and a fifth in the four years. Um, played in the state championship, lost to Sutherland. Um, and that was, that was a lot of fun, that run. And, um, so then I, I felt like I was ready to be a head coach and I applied to a few different spots and I got hired at Dayton. Um, and Dayton hadn't really, I don't even know that they'd made the league playoffs since like, in like 20 years when I got there, but wow. there was this group, yeah, there was, there was this group of parents that, that was really motivated to have a good basketball program. And, um, and they were freshmen when I got there. And they were good. I mean, they were, um, so, uh, we, uh, let's see here. We made the league playoffs my first year. And, um, my second year, I'm watching the state championship football games, Dayton versus Amity, I believe. And we're, you know, my point guard goes down with a broken kneecap. My post goes down with a broken tailbone. I mean, it was just, I'm just sitting there watching all these guys get carded off. So we struggled that year. Um, but then the next year we, um, we uh, had all those freshmen were juniors, and the um, Hildebrandt kid transferred back to Dayton and was a junior. And oh, where um, was he from? Where did he go? So he when um, he was at Dayton until his freshman year, and then he went and played for Barry Adams at South Salem, um, and and then just really wanted to be back with his friends, and so he transferred back, and that was a nice little. You know, nice addition to the team for sure. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, I think he was coming off like an All-American AAU year that summer and was being recruited by a bunch of Division One schools. So it was really fun. And 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 he went back and he wanted to be there. You know, so he was back with his friends and just. Um, and then we had Dante Rosario, who played like eight years in the NFL, um, who was a Dayton kid, and um, just just a neat group um, of parents and kids. And so we won two state championships um, in that span. And then my dad passed away at, uh, I grew up here, near here in Myrtle Point and my dad passed away that spring um, right after we won that second state championship and of a really young of a cancer. And so my mom was here and then my wife's family was here. And then all of a sudden the Marshfield job, um, Greg Mulkey started calling me about that, and I had no interest in moving away from Dayton or moving up in the coaching ranks either. We were back then; it was 4A, the highest level, and uh, hadn't really, uh, I, I didn't really know much about that level of basketball. So I said no for a while, and then it just kind of just felt like the right thing to do. And that was 20 years ago, so I've been here ever since. So, and so I was the boys' coach for. Uh, six years and then I took a couple years off and then I got back into boys coaching for another six years and then I took a year off and the girls coach, um, the girls coach left really late. Um, they didn't, they couldn't, they didn't hire anybody and so I think it was, uh, probably October of last year I said, okay, I'll do it and so here I am and it was a lot of fun. So I'm I'm gonna stick with it until I probably retire from teaching. So And so your anyway. daughter's on the team, right? 
She is. And that was a big, big reason why I said yes um, and got back into coaching as she was a junior. I coached my boys here at Marshfield. And so last year she was junior. She's going to be, she's a senior this year. So, but I'll, but I, I plan on keep going for a few more years until I'm done. So it's been a great experience for sure. So when you, I didn't realize that, that, you know, that history of Dayton, but because now, I mean, you look back at Dayton now from, you know, 2022 back to say you started in 98 there. I mean, it's like, that's, that's like probably the golden age of, you know, 3A basketball. Dayton's right there in the middle of it, you know, you kick it off. Yeah. And Ron was my assistant coach and um, it really, that, that group of kids that we had at Dayton was so much fun to watch. And I know, uh, Ron's really been a big part of keeping it rolling and they have a good AU program that goes through there. And, um, it, it, it's been, that's been a big part of it. Um, but I, I really believe that that first group of kids, they're so much fun to watch and we would just fill up the gym everywhere we went and they just kind of had this almost a cult following around them because they were just, they were great kids. They had great attitudes and they just played a really fun style of basketball. And I think it really kind of got things rolling. Now, it's you know it's one thing to keep get things going, but it's it's harder to keep it going. And Ron's done a great job there. And and I think you know they're um, the 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 kids play a lot of basketball. And and um, you know it was a big time football program, uh, football school before then. And um, and I think that you know Dewey Sullivan was an incredible coach. And and um, you know when he passed away, it took a while for Dayton football to get going again. So the basketball's just kind of um, you know, filled that void kind of. So, yeah, it's but it's but boy, Ron's done an incredible job there for sure. So pretty crazy journey. I mean, obviously starting and everybody starts somewhere, but to start, you know, with those coaches. I, I mean, I I played against Dave Garvin and actually I went to high school. Um, when his son was, you know, his son was a couple of years older than I was, but we, you know, I had to guard him, you know, and it was, oh, yeah. they, they were tough as nails, you know, that, that Palomas program. And, uh, then yeah. obviously Madras. So that really set you up well. And now, it, you know, going to Dayton, having the success you had and then go to Marshfield. I mean, when I look here, you know, I'm looking at, I mean, you're right there, 269 career wins on the men's side, you know, with a 65% win percentage. And at Marshfield, you've won 191 games um, in your 12 years. It's, I mean, that's pretty impressive right there. So you're the guy that talked to, I mean, like when it comes to, you know, building a, a successful program and just being kind of that, that foundation and that, that cornerstone to a program like that. You've done it in multiple places, obviously, the, even the girls program at Marshfield right now, maybe they, you know, they were in that little zone where they had a ton of talent and they won a state title, I believe. Right. Yeah. yeah. And now, yeah. but you're, you're right there. I mean, you're went to the playoffs last year. So how do you mm-hmm. do that? I mean, what are the things that you would say you're talking to a young coach, you're talking to maybe a season coach that hasn't been able to do that. I mean, I know that we have to take into account that every different place has different levels of talent, but let's say all that was equal. What are some things that you would say is the head coach of a basketball program that can get somebody there and then sustain them to stay there? Oh, that's, that's a great question. Thanks. Thanks for asking that. That's very neat. Um, I, 
I think part of part of um, what I've been lucky to do is one one the mentor coaches I had just like there there was no one better at building a program than Dave Garvin. I mean, he was just a big program guy. And so everything he did, it, it, he just talked about we, 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 and and it wasn't ever I did this, I did this. It was like this is how we do things. And and so he had he had a um, system in place that um, you know with team rules and just a culture of of winning in that place. And then and and, and Evan had very similar stuff there. And I remember when I went and applied at Dayton. Um, I was interviewed by, you know, it was my first head coaching interview, and I walked, and, and the principal came in out in the hallway, and he said, you know what I'm most impressed with is you say we all the time. We did this. And and I was like, well, yeah, that's that's kind of what the, the culture that you want to build. And so I guess I guess if I was talking to a young person that wanted to get into it, one, get with a good, um, young, good, good uh, mentor coach. And, um, you know, my son Jake is coaching at Sherwood right now as an assistant, and when he, he – he first started teaching. He's like, where should I go? I said, find a good mentor coach. And he's done that at Sherwood, man. And um, so, so then, um, but then uh, I, I think that um, the more time you can put into things and, and um, the off season stuff is so important to, if you really want to have a program, um, you have to, you have to establish that. And I know you've done that. You did that at Toledo. We did stuff together a lot, in fact. But um, the, the just just creating that culture of we're going to put time in and we're going to build things through fundamentals and um, we're going to do things right from the, from the very beginning. And um, I, I think that's been a big part of the success that, that I've done just because I saw other people doing it. And then when you walk into the program, you, you try to get as much help as possible. And, um, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll take 20 assistant coaches if I can, if it means that they'll come to summer league and help run some camps and things like that. So, um, but, I, but, but just, it, I think that's a big part of it. Are you willing to put the time in? Are you willing to build, um, it, the fundamentals and do things right and get a good system? Um, I, I think that that's, that's kind of the key to the, the whole thing is just how much time are you willing to put in and, and demand things of your kids. So, does that, so then, does that answer? <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, there, there's okay. obviously going to be more and more things that come up this talk. But, I, I mean, when you're mm-hmm. when you're talking about your mentor coaches, and, and if you were to put your mentor coach hat on, you know, what are the top three things, I mean, that you think uh, – I mean, you said put, put the time in. You know, obviously, yeah. you can get some assistant coaches, get some mentors. So if you're a mentee, so you, you got a mentor, you're a mentee, um, what are some things you're looking at? Like, what are you looking for to, what are the, the characteristics that you're, you know, what kind of a mindset do you have when you're trying to be mentored? Well, and so, like, when you're trying to be mentored, just, I, I mean, to me, when I when I walked in, I was so in awe at Loma um, that I was willing to do anything, and I kind of took that attitude to, to um to Madras too. It's like, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I'm going to show up to every practice. And so, so when, when I, uh, when I'd have my own practice and then, and then right afterwards was the varsity, I was there. Or if it was vice versa, you know, varsity first then come there. I went to everything I could. I went to every time he had, he needed help with camps. I was there for it. And, um, just eating up all the little things that they taught. And, and, um, and then, and then another thing that, that it did on top of that is like, Garvin and Brown were both big Cascade sports people, so they would get me there in the summertime to 
work, you know, learn fundamentals and things like that. And I think so. So as far as young coaches go, are, are you willing to put in the time and and learn things? You might not agree with everything that they're doing, and I think that's important too that you kind of establish your own um, uh, priorities too. But um, <clears throat> but you always support the coach and um, and just just be willing to to put that time in. Uh, and then and then another thing to look for is just um, one what. What what type of system does the coach run, and and how does he demand things from his players, and what kind of culture does he create um, as far as n- not just winning, but um, how the players act on the court and how they um, act in the classroom, and um, you know just kind of keep your eyes on everything that the coach head coach does, and um, and and then be ready when that you know when it's your turn. But that but I you know I, it's obvious to say. X's and O's are really important, and, and and my mentor coaches were two of the best in the state for sure, um, and they were very different. Uh, Garvin had 10 million defenses and presses and offenses, and they and Evan had one of each, and um, <laughs> it was it was very interesting to go from one to the other, and um, and but but uh, ultimately is the program built on fundamentals. And um, doing things right, whether it's you know zone or man or whatever it is your system is, uh, just just is it is it uh, is it sound and um, what can you take from that? So so I, I mean those those are just I guess I guess if I could you know be willing to put the time in, uh, figure out uh, watch how they build a culture in the program and get kids to go out be it buy into what they're doing, and then just how sound is their X's and O's, and so I think those are some things to really look for. I love that. That's great stuff. I mean, some of the things I heard you say is, you know, the greatest ability is availability. Be there. Show up. Be early. Mm -hmm. Stay late. Say yes to everything. Um, You know, and be a sponge, like you're saying, um, to everything, because, yeah, that's one thing I was trying to do is, you know, my first year, I was calling people. I think that's probably how we, we started a relationship. Yeah. I, I was just calling people, asking questions. Cause I was, I mean, I, I wanted to be a great coach, but I knew I was blessed with a certain level of talent that there was a window, you know what I mean? And so yeah. you, you want to be both and of just doing your best, but also like, man, sometimes those opportunities don't come around, you know, but once in a lifetime. So you just got to take advantage yeah. of them. Um, yeah. And I think so, uh, what, what, Oh, go ahead. Well, oh, no, go ahead. one thing that uh, one thing I really respect about you is that, um, and and I I, th- I think I did the same thing with coaches, and is is that you always respected other coaches and you asked their opinion, and and you would have long conversations about X's and O's, and I'd pick your brain and you'd pick mine, and and I and I could see that respect that you had for other coaches, and so I think I think that's really important. Just just get out there and 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 um, you know uh, just just uh, go to college practices and other coaches practices and and i know i I went to uh, visit different uh, like doug paquette's practice at thurston when i first uh came here and and just little things like that just be willing to um, be humble and um just get as much things from people as that you respect as you can so yeah so when you those mentors you had do you remember any specific advice uh, or some some key memory that you you'd want to share you know, from the two stops you had before you got your head coaching job at, at Dayton? Yeah. Um, I, like, 
it was it was really interesting because um, of how different they were, but ultimately their values were very similar. Um, Dave would have a handbook of uh, rules, and and I, and I don't mean that, that that sounds maybe more negative than I meant it to be. It was it's very positive, but he had it was it was just it was all color coded, and he was the most organized human being I've ever been around as far as a coach goes, and um, and. And he would he'd demand that of the kids, and so the kids took pride in following those rules and being a part of this Philomath dynasty that we, they were just coming. That was at the very end of that run of state um, state trophies they brought home. But um, but it was but, but that's kind of that was his thing. It's like it's it's an honor for the kids to be in this program and, and they need to be put at a, on a very high level um, and, and they need to honor that program. And then Evan, um, I, he might've had a list of rules uh, that he would give the kids. I don't remember it, but it was like, you're going to toe the line. And when you step on this court, you're going to work harder than everybody else. And, and they did, I mean, and their defense was so unreal, uh, so good. It was, it was incredible. And it was very simple rules, you know, hold your teammates accountable and, and, um, and, and do the right things in the classroom or, or, you know, or we're going to deal with it. And so it was very interesting that, that just the way they went about things. Um, and, uh, and I don't know which one was the better coach. They were both incredible coaches, but, but that's kind of what I got that is that there's multiple ways to do things. Uh, ultimately, their players loved them, and that they and they they ran very clean, um, you know, respectful programs. And so I think I, I know I took that with me. It's just like you play you play with a certain honor for the game, and and you demand that of your players, no matter how you go about it. Um, just make sure that that the, your players are a real reflection of you on the court at all times. And I think they both really did that very well. So yeah. That's awesome, Coach. I appreciate that. Well, hey, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to return uh, with more from Coach Doug Miles right after this on the Oregon Basketball Coaches Association podcast. Can't get enough of the Oregon Basketball Coaches Association podcast? Go to our podcast website at anchor.fm slash obca. And subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you meet your podcast needs. Welcome back to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Association podcast. Eddie Townsend here with Marshfield Girls basketball coach Doug Miles. Coach, um, you've had a, a huge swing of experiences as a coach. You've won state titles. You've coached some elite players in Oregon history. Um, you, you're now in the girls' game, showing tons of success. So, what are some things that now that you're almost to retirement, you look back and what are some of the biggest memories that you have that you just, you know, what are your top five memories or top three Ooh, that, wow. that you have in your career? Nice. Okay, that's a good question. Um, I think I think um, being an assistant coach was so much fun for me. And, and I would put that as, you know, as, uh, I would not necessarily, but one of my top memories. And, um, it was just, it was just like learning the game and eating it up and being around like-minded people that were into basketball as I was, you know, like, uh, just 
um, and all the state tournaments that we went to in that span um, is, is really fun. Kind of a low pressure type thing. I, I highly recommend being an assistant coach. <laughs> it is, it is a, it is a lot of fun. Um, and, and so, and I just had great experiences with that. Um, coached some great kids in that span for sure. Um, and then, and then the run at the Dayton, since I was so new, um, you know, uh, to it and the two state championships, probably the top basketball memories, how special those were. Uh, that, that's just so rare to win one. And, and it takes so much luck. Uh, and I, I don't know if luck's the right term, but everything has to fall right into perfect place. Um, oh yeah. And, I know what you're talking about. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, um, we, my, my son Jake's senior year, we were really good and, one of our uh, one of our best players tore his ACL a week beforehand, and then uh, another kid had some discipline issues and didn't go, and and we lost both. We were two and out, but both games were double overtime losses, and and I thought we were at least had a chance to win it that year, um, and we were two and out, and then um, another uh, another year we had uh, my other son. We, his junior year, we had a bunch of a great team, and we lost in overtime. I think it was overtime too. Maybe it was, maybe it was just a last-second shot to Newport, um, and 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 I thought we had a chance to win it that year. So it's just to win back to back. It was pretty special, and it was a neat group of kids and parents. And 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 it was only my third year of coaching, head coaching, and so I just kind of thought that's how it was. <laughs> I was gonna, like this was going to be one of many. Like every. Uh, you know, that's just, the, the, hey, these are state championships. I'll be back, you know. And so I might have taken a little bit for granted, but I mean, I'm not sure if I did. That I, I was really special. And I still am in re- really close contact with a lot of those kids. Um, there's just a neat, it was really fun. And that, that run was. Um, and then um, coaching my sons was, uh, well, coming to Marshfield and, um, and playing at this level, um, where we were the underdogs every single game and we, you know, we made the playoffs a few times. Those are special years that when we were still at the 4A level and, and, and did pretty decent and, um, and, and nobody expected it. I'd, I'd say that, that was a really fun thing. And then to coach both my sons, um, was pretty special to get that opportunity. Um, I didn't know if I wanted to do that and, it, it wasn't always easy, but um, but certainly something that I really value. And now, coaching my daughter's really really been a blast. Um, she's her the group that we have this year is pretty special. So um, so I I, I guess um, those would be kind of my top top memories when I kind of look back and and then just just the um, just the sheer volume of kids I've coached and watching them become good dads. And seem to be moms, I guess. I mean, like, uh, <laughs> now that I'm a woman's coach, I'm not, not dads, but just be good human beings and, and to watch them. And now I'm starting to see some of their kids come up through the ranks. And, um, that's, that's, that, boy, that's really, that's kind of what, why you do this. Um, so, so those are pretty special things too, for sure. Yeah, I'm just starting to coach my son, Eli. Um, he's a second grader. I, I, we coached him. I coached him last year. We're on a travel team. The youngest they can do for these tournaments we go to are third grade. So he was playing up quite a bit. He he didn't belong really on the team, you know what uh-huh. I mean? But it was really fun because I got this group yeah. of kids that I'm going to start, you know, and they're already you – know, the parents are excited and we're just going to keep it rolling. But uh, yeah, the, that's you awesome. Know, 
what are some things, thank you, what are some things that when you coach your son, you know, um, what are the, the things that, you know, are positives, but also some things that maybe somebody should be aware of when they're doing that? Um, well, I, I, I'll say I made a lot of mistakes the first round with my first son and, um, and I just, you know, to me, I, I got, I get so into basketball that it just consumes all of my thoughts, you know, <laughs> like when I come home and when I, I can't turn it off very well. And so I wouldn't, I didn't do that very well with my son and, um, with Jake, my oldest son. And, um, even though we, we had a lot of fun and, and he was, he's as into basketball as I ever was too. And so it worked out fine, but, um, but that's what, that would be my recommendation to people is just uh, have, um, I, I have a great wife and she, she would say, okay, that's enough, you know, quit talking about, it. you know, and, and, and if I was too hard on the kids, she would tell, she has no problem telling me that. Um, but, but have someone like that in your life that can, that can let you know when you're, when it's too much and, and you turn it off when you come home. Don't even talk about basketball. And, um, uh, or, uh, and if you do set a certain time limit, like we're going to watch film here because that's what I do anyway, even if you weren't on the team. But when, when it's over, we're going to talk about your day and things like that and, um, and, and, and have a separate thing away from basketball to where it's just your son or your daughter. And, um, and, and I got better at that. And I'm really good at it now. And, and it could just be that um, my daughter plays multiple sports, but I, I go watch volleyball now. I don't know anything about volleyball, and it's a blast. Like, I got to be a dad instead of a coach. And um, so, so that's been really fun. But um, but I guess I guess that's you know what I would recommend. Uh, just make sure that uh, you you have a you're still your dad first and a coach second. And when you're on the court, you're a coach first and, and a dad maybe last. But um, so but but uh, oh, you asked me what were the hard things and some good things about it. Um, the hard thing is, is I think it's hard on the kids. Um, it's most of the time coaches' kids are a little bit um, they're they are easy to coach because they understand the game. They've been around it forever. And, and all my kids have been like that. They think the game pretty well. Um, and that, that the crowd might not always notice that. Um, and, and they, and they're, so, so you have to kind of know that you're going to take some criticism for how you play your kids or don't play them or whatever it is. Um, I think I'm tougher on my kids than anybody else uh, that, that coaches them or that, that I have on the team. So that I have to be real careful of that. Um, and the, uh, so, so those are tough things. Um, and you just kind of have to tune out what people are saying, but, but the positives is you get to build some pretty special times with, the, with your, um, you know, kids. And um, we have, we've gone to the state tournament. I, I think, um, you know, I went to the state tournament three times with Jake and three times with Jordan, four times with Jordan, I guess. And, um, no, just three. And, and then, um, you know, hopefully we can do that as Kate's senior year too. And, um, but, uh, but those are special times. Uh, you know, you, you get to win with them and lose with them. You go through hard times with them. Um, it's just, uh, I, I think it's pretty neat, um, to do, but, uh, you have to be, yeah, you have to make sure that someone holds you, you know, you know kind of a checks and balance. Have a, have a good partner or wife to, <laughs> to tell you when you got to back off. So, uh, yeah, those are the good, goods and bads. 
No, that's, that's great advice. You know, I see that stuff. I, you know, I see myself, I push my, my son quite a bit and uh, sometimes it's it's good to hear from my wife. Just like, you know, chill a little bit. And he's, he's pretty young, but he, he already has a, a fire to be good, you know? So it's yeah. pretty, pretty fun to go I to mean, the gym with him and, you know, do those things. Well, he was lucky enough. He, he saw your state championship and, and mine, mine was probably close to the same age as yours when, when we won it. And, uh, you're, you're, mine might have been a little younger, but, um, but it just, it's natural. They're around it all the time. And you, you, it's, that's a great thing. And you got to foster that, but it's also important to, that they aren't, you know, that you have an, a different relationship with them also <laughs> outside of the game. I think I brought both of my, if I'm not mistaken, I brought my son and my daughter to that camp that you had um, a few years ago, or maybe it was just Eli. But yeah, I, I mean, my wife she said, okay, if you want to do all this summer stuff, then you're taking the kids. And I, I mean, there's a couple times where I had, you know, yeah. this team bus with two car seats in it, and you're just like, all right, let's go. And the, it was good because the boys got to experience that. They got to you know, do all those things. Um, I mean, the the players, you know, they, they were help. I remember one time vividly, my son Eli, he was, I think, three. And it was a couple of years before we won the state title. And we're driving, like, through the mountains of Central Oregon going to, like, Baker. And uh, my son just wants to play the song Puff the Magic Dragon one more time. And I was like, Eli, we can't just keep playing this. And so then one of the players just starts singing it. And then the whole team starts singing it. We listened to it so many times. And I just started laughing and, like, kind of crying, too. It was like, man, this is so sweet, you know, because – but he got to be a part of that, you know. And the kids now, like you said, you see these guys when they're older. I mean, mine aren't quite as old as what you're talking about, but we'll see him around. And it's like they have a connection with him, and it's kind of cool. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And and when your son gets up to high school, he'll have some fans that, you know, will be following him on whatever, Facebook or whatever it may be to say, oh, I can't believe that, you know. Um, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. A, I took my I took my kids to everything, like every summer league game. And you, and you have to. I mean, yeah, it's just because otherwise you're going to miss a lot of your kids growing up. But, but you can make it pretty special. And, um, yeah, they, there's no doubt about it. Those are, those are great stories, so. Yeah, that was that's fun. So if we go back to um, you, you've seen some elite basketball, um, and you've seen all different types of things. I mean, what you you spoke a little bit about summer and the off season, and you know we were just going through the summer, and you know for for Newport, you know we took basically the idea. Well, I did it at Toledo, but you had the idea, and it was a great idea of doing a a summer camp, you know, at Marshfield. And then you kind of, you stepped aside at Marshfield and that, that idea was still there because we went and we had such a fun time. So we just kind of took it and ran with it up in when I was at Toledo and we did it at Newport and uh, you know, we've continued to do it. You know, this year we had, I think 20, 26 teams or something like that. Oh, nice. So it's been pretty successful, but it's been really a lot of fun. And I know, um, you know, that that's those summertime moments are, uh, are very important for your success. So what are some things that you think of um, that need to happen if you're going to be a consistent, successful program when it comes to the off season? 
Well, you have to uh, – so the, the summer league – the way that I approach summer league is we would just play games and um, and play a lot of games. And, and so there was like – especially when I was at Dayton where you had so many schools nearby, we'd play like 40 or 50 games in that span. Um, but then on top of that, you have to you have to have something you're playing for. And that's what – when we started that camp, that team camp that we started, we – We'd get together, the coaches would beforehand say, hey, um, let's – for this uh, – in this practice session, let's play zone or let's, you know, let's – let's. I want to work on our out-of-bounds play. So let's spend five minutes doing that. I don't, I don't know if you remember that, but that was really fun. And, but, oh, yeah. But so with, with Summer League, um, uh, I would just uh, – I, I really wanted the kids to just play. Like I, I was carefree. Um, not be afraid to make mistakes, try new things, put in a system, you know, have your system in place and work on that. And, and, um, and then, you know, maybe only practice for 20 minutes for each game or whatever it is. But then on top of that, the summer has to be your individual skill time. And so we would shoot and shoot and shoot and then ball handling. To me, it's hard to really develop those skills during the season. So you have to have some type of system in place in the summertime. Where you really work on those things, and um, and and I think that that's really um, has has helped our program at Marshfield is that we just we spend a lot of time on fundamentals in the off season, and um, and then then incorporate games too. But but, but summer is such an, a vital time just to develop those relationships with the kids, um, get them in the gym playing, and then but also just start to start to um, develop those fundamentals and find some shooters. <laughs> Always important. But that, uh, to me, I, I, I could survive just coaching summer league. It's, it's so much fun because winning and losing isn't that important. Um, and it's just get out there and get better. And, and I think that – I really think that if, if I could kind of really look back on my career, um, the, the, big, the reason that we've been successful – at times, it's just um, it's just because of summer league and how much better kids have improved, or how much how much they have improved. So I think it's, and it's I think really it's just. I mean, you're talking about forty, sixty, eighty. That's the thing is, you know, when I was at Toledo, we would go. I mean, we would have to travel a lot to play. Yeah. Uh, you know, because locally we only have a couple teams, and you know, there's maybe one other team that was real tough. Um, mm-hmm. But. You'd have to, so we'd have to go to the area. I mean, I remember going to Western Mennonite like on multiple nights, you know, right there by Dayton, because you got to yeah. get those games in. And I just thought, man, these teams have such an advantage over here on the valley because they're so close. Yeah. If they take advantage no, of it. it. Yep. And and, and uh, when I came to uh, when I came to Marshfield, I, I was going to do the same thing. I about killed our kids. <laughs> the, the, my first summer, like full summer here, we did this trip where we went to South Eugene and played four games and drove straight to. Madras and played two games there and straight to Gonzaga and did their 16-team tournament. And on the way back through, we we go south to Grants Pass and play in an 18-team tournament. I think we were gone like 14 days or and played like 28 games. And it, you're right. There are certain teams like in the Valley and in Dayton, and it's a big advantage. Whereas Marshfield, I had to kind of go, whoa, I'm going to kill these kids if I don't. And they're going to be exhausted. And so um, we, we backed off and kind of turned into a weekend type thing. With, then during the week, we'd play a couple games and then do a bunch of fundamental 
during the week. So, but it, you're right. It's a, it's tough. <laughs> and it's a fine balance. You know, uh, I've seen this at, at a lot of different places and you talk to different people, the balance of, and I don't know how you can solve it, but once the OSAA year ends at the end of May, and then you, it goes to that open period where you've got football, basketball, and baseball all battling for these like month of time, the month of yeah. June, and you're just pulling these kids in every direction. Um, that's a pretty difficult thing. How, what was your experience when it came to those things? So I, I, it has really changed. There's no doubt about it. And um, we didn't have like Dewey Sullivan. I, I mean, I, I coached under two of the. I mean, with some of the most legendary football coaches, they didn't do anything in June. Dewey didn't do anything in June. Uh, Kent Weigel, you know, is in the top five all time. Also, he didn't do anything in June. Um, and, so what and then, did they do? Just so I mean, because there may be. So I, I I agree. I don't know why you need yeah. to do football in June. Like you're not winning yeah. football game. Well, and people say that about basketball as well. But sure. I just think why not do something in like late mid to late July? I don't know. What what did they? Yeah, do? that's what I know. I and I remember exactly when I came and and interviewed at Marshfield because I was nervous about that. Um, you know that if. In both those places, if I'd have butted heads with the football coaches, I'd have lost that battle on <laughs> both those schools. But Kent, Kent met me like uh, first when I was interviewing. He came in and said, "Hey, I just want you to know, I don't do anything to you, and it's it's your time." I'm like, "Okay," and that was a big selling point for me. But Kent would his whole thing is, is this what he said to me: "I want them hungry in July because they would start the weekend after Fourth of July. They would start lifting." And then, so they're like three nights a week, they'd lift and, and then go down to the field and do some different things. And then, and, and he just wanted, you know, that, that's how they did it. Um, and, and Which he wanted smart. to, yeah. Oh, it was you, great. I mean, yeah. Because I mean, you can't argue about, with his success. No. And you think about what, what, what I did, what I've seen recently, and I can't, I'm not going to speak specifics, but I've seen, mm-hmm. I've seen some, some coaches put, turn kids off to their sport because they're pushing them too hard to do yeah. things. And it's like, man, if you would just treat it a little differently, you might get, because you turn one or two kids off here and there, then it becomes an, like a culture like we were talking about earlier. So yeah, I, I think, it's a I think Marshfield's um, football summer last summer was uh, the first three weeks of June was six days a week, every single night. And um, now they shared with the boys. I mean, they, they let them go play some basketball, but it was, it was, um, that's really tough on kids. And then you throw in baseball that, um, I don't know how I avoided too many conflicts with baseball over the years. I don't think they were big time baseball schools, but, um, but now that the Legion stuff is, is pulling kids, uh, you know, and, and then, so at Marshfield, volleyball is very, very big. I'm lucky they don't do much in June. Um, that softball is big and that pulled a lot of kids this summer. So I just kind of go, Hey, we're going to do these. My, my mentality is, and it will be the same next year. I want, I want to put on a camp at home where, you know, we brought in Lynn Bitten's coach, um, to, to, to run a camp for us. And he, he did a two day camp. We did it with band and girls. Um, uh, coach, coach Gibby, uh, does a great job. So he came in for two days and then we had, we had, we went to a week-long thing at um, Bend where I wanted the kids to come. And then and then after that, it was just all optional stuff, like two nights a week playing local teams. So I, I think things have changed um, for sure. 
And I don't have a great suggestion. I know we're pulling kids in way too many different directions. I didn't really want to be, you know, make the problem worse. But I, but I think if you can get together with the softball and volleyball coach or football and whatever and just say, hey, um, I want these days. And, but I also want the kids to have some time off and just so that you can, you know, sit back and maybe football can take a week and maybe one night a week and a full week of camp and, um, so baseball can do the same and you're just like, man, we need to, we need to lighten up with these kids a little bit. They're getting pulled in way too many different directions. Um, so. But it's that fine. I guess I don't have a good because, answer. Yeah. Cause, you know, it's like, well, this is very important and everybody knows it's important. But I don't know. I'll, I'll be real with you. I probably was very similar to you where it's like, man, we're, I'm just gonna, and we're close enough. Toledo's close enough where it's a 45 minute shot to Corvallis. You know, so you're about maybe an hour and a half to all these Salem teams, you know. It's, so it's three hours of travel, but you can go get there for two hours. I mean, there were late nights on the weekdays um, in June. You know, this, the weekends aren't too bad. But, I mean, you play like, let's say you play 30 to 50 games. I think one summer we played above, you know, 50 games. And it's And I sit back at the end and it's like, man, that was fun but how much better did we actually get, you know, as a team? Because we didn't practice at all. It was just purely yeah. games. And then, yeah. you know, I was lucky to have a bunch of kids that were gym rats, so they they wanted yeah. to get on the shooting machines and just shoot and shoot and shoot. But I don't know. I don't know how you get better if you don't have kids that have that desire, first of all, and then just yeah. the geographical ability to do it. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I, I have changed my uh, – to give you an idea, I think we played 12 games this summer at the most. Um, and, and just because, one, I don't think I could have gotten kids to show up for more than that. But but also, I I know what you're saying. I, but but here's what I do, where I do think you probably got better. You were with them. They developed a bond with each other. And, and like the overnight sleeping in gyms and camping trips probably – did more for your basketball program than the actual playing of those games where you were playing four games in a day and were pretty worthless by the end of the day. Uh, I think right. it's that. It's that and, 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 and um, I think I've even talked to you about this. Or like when, when you asked your kids at the end of this year, what do they remember most? It was probably one of the trips that you took. Um, and, yep. uh, and, and I know that was with us, you know, like I'll, I'll still get on that trip to Gonzaga. We did. There's still talk about that. And, and it wasn't the games. I don't. I don't remember how we did. I doubt we did great there. Um, but it was like the the things that happened at Lake Billy Chinook and the you know the ride on the hot ride on I eighty four and those kind of things that kids still talk about. So I, I think if if maybe you could play less games but do a couple of special bonding things and throw in some fundamentals with that and fool them into thinking it's all fun, um, I think I, that might be where we're headed with this whole thing. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I agree with you. So, you, you, I mean, we've touched on a lot of things. Um, you know, I wanted to talk about some some nuts and bolts things about a program real quick, if you don't mind. Um, sure. You know, I, I I was I've always been blessed to have some really, you know, whether it be when I was a freshman coach at Newport, JV coach, varsity coach. Um, I've had really good players, really good kids, but there's always a couple of kids that are, you know, challenging. And um, what are some things that, you know, when you're dealing with tough players, maybe they don't completely buy in. Um, they have 
different issues going on. You know, there can be a lot of different things. What are some things that you've done uh, to establish um, the tone, you know, going into the season with players like that when you know it might be an issue going in? Yeah, I think um, I think that when you establish your culture, and and once that's established, then it's really easy to tell a kid that they just that this is the way we do things from the time they're freshmen, um, and and this, these are the expectations we have of people, um, and you establish that. And you and one of the things that we I, I think I've gotten better at over the years is that. Um, like we ask kids to come in and run little kid camps um, and we um it's it's always about complimenting your teammates and being a servant out there on the floor um mm-hmm. and 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 it's about the team and, and I, I know you do a good job of that promoting that too and so um and and i'm not going to sit and say that all my kids have been angels but um but i think if you continually stress that it's it's, it's a team concept um and that there's certain criteria that you have to live up to. Um, and, and, uh, and, and when you see something that demonstrates that they're not buying into that, that you address it really quickly and, and, and aggressively, um, and not just kind of beat around the bush and say, Hey, this isn't how we do things. You know, you've been a part of this program for four years. Have we ever, have we ever acted this way on the floor or have we ever, put any individual above the team. Um, and again, I don't want to sound like I'd be hypocritical to say that I've done this, that I've been really great at this, um, that, that all my teams have been ideal um, in, in this realm. But, but I think that it's just like, you, you know, you have to know what you want to stand for as a coach and as a program. You have to know what, um, what you want to, what you how you want your team to represent your community, and then you have to hold people accountable to that. And I, I really think that kids want to be a part of that. Um, they don't always know how to, but they want to be a good teammate, and they want to be part of a successful program. And um, and, and so if you just, just set that criteria from the second they walk into the program, I think you're going to be better off. And and I look back on some of the, you know, some of the people that have graduated that haven't necessarily set that mold that I wanted and say, what could I have done a little bit differently? And I, I think if, if you just, um, just, just from day one, this is how we do things. And, and when you see something that doesn't fit that, that you do that. And, and unfortunately, sometimes it just doesn't work. And, and sometimes you, you might be better off like encouraging them to wrestle or. <laughs> I don't know. If that's, is that correct? Thing to say? I don't know. Um, but but sometimes you have to you have to say for the good of the team, this is we're going to go in a different direction. I've done that. I had to. I've made that decision even the last wow. few years. So, yeah. It's. Um, but 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 I, I I mean you hate to do that to a kid, but but I think if if you like you said, probably the hardest thing is when you first started, like those first few years of establishing that. But once you get into your program and you and you start to demand it with your you get a good freshman coach that demands it you get a good jv coach that demands it it's how your programs run i think i think that that um is going to be the best best route for that um and 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 they'll thank you in the long run for sure they'll be better people because of it so So that answer your question yeah (laughs) definitely that was really good and then so on that same token what about when you deal with tough parents yeah, man. 
is there anything really harder in this job than dealing with tough parents? I, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if there's a great answer for that. I, I, I think it's maybe the same concept. Like, this is the way we do things. No one's being treated any differently. You know, we have these expectations of your kids. We're not going to waver from those. Um, you have your set of rules. Um, and, and then, and, and, you know, I, I I'm probably, I try to, I try to get, um, communicate with parents pretty, he- um, pretty heavily. Like, I, I've certainly had some parents that I don't see eye to eye with or they don't see eye to eye with me or whatever it is, but, but I, I don't mind talking to that. I, I, I've seen so many, so many coaches come in and say, I'll talk to, you know, I'll talk to your kid. I'm not going to talk to you. You know, I, I don't, don't, I don't mind. If, if you want to come in and ask me why your kid's not playing, I hope, I, I want to go, I'd rather the kid come and ask me what they could do differently, but if a parent really, has a question, just, you know, set up an appointment with me. I'll tell you. It might not, you might not like it, but it's going to have to, it's going to deal with the same stuff I was just talking about. This is our culture. This is what we expect of our kids. And, and, um, this is, this is why your son or daughter is not playing as much as you think they should. Um, but, but ultimately you want to deal with mostly the kids. Um, but, but also, you know, uh, those kids go home every night to their parents and the, and the biggest influence on their life is their parents. So it should be that way. If it's not, something's wrong. Um, but, um, but you have to also know that, you know, that parents are a big part of your program and, and it's nice to include them in things to a certain extent. Um, when it gets so obnoxious, you can't handle it anymore. Um, you probably just need to kind of cut ties with the parent to at least cut communication ties. Uh, um, and uh, just, just, just survive with the kid. I mean, that's a tough one. I, I, I wish I had great answer for tough parents, but unfortunately, it's getting to where there's lots of them out there. But, um, but, but ultimately, communicate the best you can. Have your set of expectations for the kids. Don't be afraid to talk to parents about those expectations. Make sure they understand what you're looking for, also, and then, um, and then just. Just hope for the best. Uh, it's, it's a tough one. It's getting harder and harder. I'll tell you that. But yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And it's not easy. And you know, the question I I ask at the beginning of the season, I I have the parents put out a, I give them a note card, and I just say, okay, on one side, I want you to write out all of your hopes, aspirations, dreams for your son or daughter, and they write all that stuff down. And I said, okay, now I want you to tell me what you're going to do. I think I term it, I want you to show me, write on one side what you want for your kid this season, right? And on the other side, I said, okay, now I want you to write what, how you're going to react if you don't get what you want. And so they yeah. have to, like, t- go through that sort of mental exercise of, like, if I don't get what I want this season, how am I going to react? And then you kind of set the standard of, like, hey, what type of a person are you going to be? Because if you, you know, on anything, if you train yourself like, hey, tomorrow I'm waking up at five in the morning and I'm going to go work out. And you, you've you trained your mind in that and you do it and you wake up and it's like, okay, I'm going to do this. But if you try to just do it flippantly, it's not going to happen. And I think what yeah. happens a lot, a lot of times you get these parents that they they haven't even had to think about, you know, like right now. I'm st- I'm setting up the I mean I'm going to be involved in the high school season at Newport that's going to be fun but and you know it, there's it's I've started to notice 
no matter what, everybody's always excited at this stage right before the season starts. Like there's excitement and it's, everything's good, but then reality hits and it's like, okay, my kid's not playing or, oh, we're not winning or this is hard or whatever. And, um, you know, it's, then you get to see who these people really are, you know, you get to see who the kids are. You get to see what kind of character they have. You get to see the parents and it's just interesting. And they're just going to go on basically, well, A, do they have good character or B, do they just live off of like, you know, how they feel. And if they just go, if it's, if they have good character, it doesn't matter. They're going to just kind of do the right thing. And that's, I think a lot of the people we, we see, but the other people, you know, that live off of, you know, maybe emotion or whatever. If you train them a little bit, like just, Hey, uh, you know, and you talk to them, I, I, it's worked pretty well with me. And then I have that record. So if there is an issue, I can bring it and be like, Hey, this is what, you want it. It's not happening, obviously, you know, yeah. but we, we did a great idea. Discuss it. I got it from somebody. I don't even remember who I got it from, but, um, it's a, yeah. And, and it's worked pretty well. So yeah. It's kind of interesting. I'm, oh, go ahead. No, no. I, I just, I think I liked a lot of the aspects to that for sure. Um, I, I think that things have really changed as far as the, the type of kids that we coach nowadays. Uh, I, I think that, it used to be a little bit more exciting just to be a part of things and parents were more proud of their kids when they were just a part of things. But now it's more um, just to be a big part of things. You know, the, the role player isn't quite as much fun for the parents as it used to be, I don't think. And so, so I think you can get, you can help if you make sure that you establish roles for a lot of your players. And I play more kids than most people do. I just, I think that, that, that it's important, even if it's like your, your role is to go in at the end of the first quarter for our point guard and you're going to play for the first, the last 30 seconds of the first quarter and the first 30 seconds of the second quarter and you're, you got to give that person, you know, a break and, you know, and, 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 and you, you really establish that with the kids. Um, and the, this is your role and you got to do it well and you promote it and you pump it up and they might not love it. They want, they might want more, but I think that, that the parents can kind of, uh, I don't know. Some parents will really appreciate that. That that um, and then uh, you know and others might not. But but I like your I like your idea. So I'm going to incorporate part of that. Yeah, it's not easy. I mean, I, I remember um, our ch- state championship season. Uh, one of our best players and kids that I had a great relationship with. His mm-hmm. parents were really upset with me, um, mm-hmm. just because of his his role. And it was a big yeah. role. Don't get me wrong, but it wasn't the role. You know, it wasn't gotcha. the main guy. You know, it wasn't the star. But it was very, yeah. it was like, if we don't have you, we're not winning this championship. And we're not probably – we. I mean, we're still going to win a lot of games. But we need you. And he was so important. And it was so – it was a good conversation, you know, to have with these parents, like, three weeks before the playoffs going into that um, – and just, it's all about expectations, yeah. you know, it seems. Like uh-huh. these pe- it's always expectations, unrealized expectations. And yeah, I guess it's just like, if you can be brutally honest, like, hey, here's, let's, let's just figure out what your expectations are and let's like straighten those out a little bit. <laughs> but I guess yeah. there's some people that still don't want to hear that stuff. They probably don't. And I, I think that, you know, that you got to be pretty thick skinned as a coach and you got to just understand that not everyone's going to be happy, but as long as you're treating the 
kids with respect and dignity and treat them, you know, fairly, then you, you have to be just okay with that. That now, you know, people, you know, not everyone's going to be happy. <laughs> well, so. Coach, that was good stuff here. Uh, we're going to take another break. When we return, Coach Miles will try to beat the shot clock here on the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. Stay up to date with the Oregon Basketball Coaches Association on social media at facebook.com slash Oregon BCA or on Twitter at OR Hoop Coaches. Coaches, as you prepare for Summer League and the upcoming season, don't forget to renew your membership with the OBCA. Membership includes access to resources and mentorship from coaches across the state and the country, as well as access to Lucio technology used by NBA franchises. Membership starts at just $15. Don't delay. Renew your OBCA membership today. Welcome back to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Association podcast. I'm Eddie Townsend here with Doug Miles, girls basketball coach at Marshfield High. Go Pirates. Hey, before we get into the shot clock questions, I wanted to ask you a few questions about your personal life. Um, uh-huh. You've been a big-time endurance athlete. This week, you're going to be flying out uh, What Wednesday. What are you doing? Yeah. Where are you going? Uh, we are I'm, – I'm just – we're driving, actually. But um, we're going to Sacramento for um, – I'm going to be doing an Ironman on Sunday and uh, – yeah, it's been, it's kind of something I got into when I quit coaching the first time. I needed something to kind of satisfy my time and competitive edge. And, um, and so, yeah, we've been training. There's, there's a couple of us that, uh, that train in. Last year we tried to do it and it got, there was a bomb cyclone that hit that particular day and they canceled it while we were in our wetsuits ready to get in. But yeah, it's, it's something I, I got in triathlon somehow and, um, I'm not good at it. I mean, I'm not, uh, I'm not going to win, but, <laughs> but it's just, it's really fun. I, I really enjoy it. And just the training part of it and having something that, like, like I said, that competitive part of my brain that, um, and it, it, the nice thing about it is, is, um, uh, I, I'm not, I, I'm not going to win. I just want to finish. And so I'm competing against myself. And so and then when just, you're doing yeah. this, I mean, I've ran mm-hmm. five marathons, you know, and, really slow times. I mean, I think when I was at my peak, I was trying to train at like 3.30 marathon time, you know. That's like uh-huh. an eight-minute pace, roughly. Yeah. But I never finished that fast. You know, I just trained, tried to do it, but I normally finished up in the fours. What is a yeah. a good Ironman time? Because you're doing, you're, you're, what, you're swimming three, two or three miles? Uh, 2.4. Um, wow. So you're swimming yeah. 2.4. Then you're yeah. cycling like over a hundred miles. Yeah, hundred and twelve. And then running, running a marathon. Yeah. So <laughs> that's, yeah. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what I'm thinking. It, it's yeah. It's <laughs> how um, long does it take I, you? So I will finish the swim in about an hour and ten maybe. Um and then I'll finish the bike ride and ride at six. Uh, which is about 18, and and this is my goal, you know. I did, so, um, so you finish, you're finishing the bike ride in six hours for the whole race, or six hours just for the bike? Just the bike part, yeah. So now you're so seven about, hours. In. 
yeah, seven and a half probably with the transition time. And then, and then I'll run, I'll probably run a, I don't know. It's just kind of, the, the marathon is just about survival. You just kind of get one foot in front of you. <laughs> the last one I did was five hours and 20 minutes, I think. I think I can be better than that because I got sick on the last one. So I, I'm, in, I'm trying for five hours on the marathon. So that would be 11, 12. I want to do, you know, right at 13 hours. So, wow. not like I said, not not going to finish. I'm not going to be on the podium. But uh, it's it's just I don't know it's the the science behind it and the um, just just kind of fun and the camaraderie with all the people I'm working out with and um, and just the discipline required. Like uh, this one being so late, your the heavy mileage comes. And, uh, it was in school, or like, I'm, um, once school starts, we're really ramping up our times. And so, like, a couple times I was waking up at, like, I was starting to run at, like, 3.30 in the morning, um, and getting done, um, in, uh, you know, three and a half hours, and then, um, and, like, and then going teaching. So, it was like, what the heck But you I feel doing? so yeah. good. It feels great when you get done, uh, for sure. Um, and and so and I feel great. Um, I'm probably in as good a shape as I've been since high school, probably. So it's kind so of fun. So where do you run in Coos Bay? Mm-hmm. Where do you run? Because it's all hills. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You run on the hills, the Prefontaine run, and um, yeah, it's there's a lot of hills, but but you kind of get used to it. Hills are interesting because you. Um, I, I'm, when I first start running, I'm terrible at them, and then pretty soon they don't really faze me too much. And, um, yeah. So on your I'm long not run, do you like on your long runs? Do you run out to Charleston, or what route do you take? Yeah, yeah, that, that'll be one of the things I do, and I'll go out to Charleston and, and back, and then, or I'll go out across the North Bend Bridge and go out went towards the dunes and come back. And there's a lot of beautiful areas around here to run in, and and it's always oh, yeah. great weather. Uh, I mean, it might be kind of rainy, but it's never that cold and never that hot. So it's kind of a nice place to do to do that. So um, now biking is a different thing because yeah, that's yeah. tough around here because you know they might not like cyclers that much, and <laughs> it's uh, it's tough. Uh, that's what that's the t- the hardest thing. And then you're going on like what are some of the I do a lot out in the sloughs and out on the east side, um, up the Coos River and, um, just, and, the, or I'll go out towards Myrtle Point and out towards Dora and Sitcom and, because, man, it's, it's hard because you, a lot of those long rides are over a hundred miles. And so you're just trying to figure out, uh, you know, we, we have a 20 mile loop that we'll do that I'll do it like four or five times. And, um, you know, you, you, you don't always see the, there's some angry drivers out there that have to slow down for five seconds to get around you. And yeah, so I would say that's my least favorite. I love cycling. It's probably, it's actually probably the best part. I'm very, I'd say below average to average on all of them, but cycling, I'm probably better than the other two. So, but yeah, cycling is really fun. Oh, I, you know, I used to cycle when I was in college down in Ashland, it was like the best place ever because you can go, you know, up one area towards like Klamath Falls and you get up to the, you got to do a steep climb and then it's just amazing. And then you get to drop down or you can go oh, the other man. way to, you know, to like, um, 
I mean, there's so many different routes, but you don't ever deal with that heavy traffic. Like here, it's hard because yeah. you got one, you got 20, and then you got a couple of back roads, and that's about it, you know? And yeah. so it's like you never want to drive, ride a bike on any of those roads, really. No. I, I, you know, I think that some of the people around the slew are getting used to, uh, up the coast River, they're getting used to seeing me out there. And so maybe they're not quite as angry. But, um, yeah, that, like, I hate going on any highways, you know, just, it's, it's just kind of scary, but, but, but there's enough places that, that kind of, they're, they've been, they're, they've been good to us and really, it's been a, it's been a fun experience. I, I don't know if I'll do another one. I'm gonna, I'm signed up for the half Oregon half next year and then I, but it, I'll, I'll see how this goes. So it's, it's a, it's a long ways. So <laughs> we'll see. And just to finish yeah. that up, how long, so, when did you start training and roughly how many hours a day do you train? So, um, I did, I did one four years ago, I think. And then in the middle of COVID or the online stuff, I was so bored with things that I said to my, you know, training partner, so let's, let's do another one. And, uh, so we signed up and it was a year, uh, a year before it was, um, the event. And then that one got canceled and they'd, put our entry fee into this one so it's been two years in the making um and so it and as far as training it varies um a good hour to two every day i would say um and then as you get into the heavy you know just like in your marathon training it it ramps up the hours and so man there was there was a weekend where i did um i mean it, it could get into three or four hours you know um but that's only a couple of days a week um, when you do the long stuff on the weekends and then kind of the short, intense stuff in the weekdays. So most weekdays are like 45 minutes to an hour, and then the weekends get kind of long. So, But but even in the heavy time, you're doing like an hour and a half run in the middle of the week and then, you know, maybe three hours or so in the weekend. So it's And that's been – that's fun for me, just the science behind it and how it works and how you – get yourself to do that so i enjoy it and so last question on that how many calories do you consume a day oh boy I, that's a good question um i don't know i i suppose if i was better at it it'd probably be better but i would i would guess um yeah you, you you really when you're really training it's it's an there's definitely a lot more things, but I, but if you eat good and stuff, it, it doesn't really matter. But I, I would guess there's certainly some 3,000 calorie days and things like that, but but not not too bad. Yeah. You eat pretty clean. I, I yeah, that, and that's another good thing. I do now. I'm not. That wasn't always in the case, but yeah, you kind of yeah kind of have to survive. And that's the other thing about the. You know, you get to eat a lot, and I enjoy eating. Um, and and like even even during the, uh, I'll have a couple sandwiches during the triathlon, and lots of lots of calories that day. So yeah, cool. It's been fun. Okay, so with with that said, you know, um, just to finish this out, you know, Oregon recently decided they're going to implement the shot clock next season. What are your thoughts about this decision? I mean, I think it, it kind of had to happen. I, um, I think we were headed in that direction for a long time. And I, I just think it's, um, 
I, I, I know it's my age, but I, I just I'm not a big fan of the shot clock at the high school level. Um, and I I've not been around it much, so I, I can't say that um, that I, I have a I, I'm I, I'm sure that there's people that love it, and there's I haven't seen these strong qualities of it. But to me, it just kind of takes away part of the strategy um, and um, and the ability to for teams with lesser talent to beat the better teams. And um, and I always kind of took pride in being the underdog. And you know, um, I've had teams that would have been great with the shot clock, but then I've had other teams that just had to execute the heck out of things. And I think that kind of takes away to, away from it. I'm excited to watch it. It's a fun spectator thing. But I wouldn't be as excited to coach with it um, as I would to watch it. Um, so, but but you know, well, everyone will adapt and kind of change things. But I I just think that there's there's just an element that it kind of takes away from that is is dying out there. And um, but but it'll be fine. It will adapt and it'll turn into a fun thing. But I think I think my, the other thing is my my daughter played AAU this summer. I think there was two tournaments where they had the shot clock, and I don't think it went off one time the entire tournament. So it might not. Well, be that's the thing is like, on the game. Other than other than when I'm intentionally stalling at the end of a quarter, at the end of a game, or somebody's trying to do it to me, rarely does it come into effect. I mean, are you? Who I I don't I can't think of many teams that are running offense for 35 seconds. You know. I agree. I, I don't. I don't know that's going to be a huge impact. I, I think the strategy that it takes away is, is like you said, end of each quarter and um, fourth quarter of games, which might be. Might, and there's there's an aspect that'll be fun to watch that when that you know they have to. You know you're never out of a game, but it's also something about a super disciplined team that takes great shots down the stretch. And uh, you know, I, I think that's that's going away a little bit. The ball here, success but, team. Macbeth and yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, that was not fun to play against. I'll tell you that. But um, oh man, yeah, yeah. And my years at Madras, we we ran a lot of clock, and which is funny and different than what he did. But uh, yeah, and um, and I I I like executing quick hitter type plays, and most of those are going to be well done before thirty. What is it? Thirty five seconds? Is that what they're going to do? Uh, I'm not sure the time, but I think I think it's going to be something like 30 or 35. Okay. Yeah. I, I might not have as big an impact as what we think. Um, I, my team last year, if if we could, if if we you know if we didn't get a shot off in about 20 seconds, we were going to turn it over. So there's no way we ever held the ball for 35 <laughs> seconds. I don't know if it'll have any impact on anything for that. But yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, well, with that said, I'm going to put you up against the shot clock. Um, you'll have 35 seconds to answer as many questions as possible. Nice. Questions are going to cover a variety of topics. Um, are you ready? Sure. Okay, I'm going to get this going. Okay. What is uh, – you're on an island, one meal for the rest of your life. What are you eating? A steak, for sure. Beach and sand or mountains and snow? Beach. Beard or clean shaven? Clean shaven. Just by Favorite NBA player? Uh, Buck Williams. Favorite college team? I'm a beaver. Favorite college Hard. coach? Uh, this is a good question. Wooden. 
basketball goal for the next season? Uh, we want to be in the state tournament. I think that'll be great for our kids. Something people may not know about you. Um, Christian, and I have, I think they have one of that three kids. I, I, I don't know. That's a good question. Would you rather not have thumbs or not have big toes? Uh, toes. You're down three with 30 seconds to go. You're drawing, drawing up a play for a three, or do you go to, to go to the hoop? Uh, we're down three with 30 seconds to go. We'll go to the hoop. Unless we have You're a great three. three-point shooter. <laughs> gotcha. You're up three with 10 seconds to go. Are you fouling? Yes. Absolutely. You have Jordan, Kobe, LeBron, and Steph on your team down two in the huddle, eight seconds to go. Who are you drawing the play up for? Jordan. It's my LeBron age. or Kobe? Uh, neither. <laughs> Kobe. One. Kobe. Kobe or Jordan? Jordan. Last question. Who would win in a game of one-on-one, you or either of your sons? Both of my sons, absolutely. It's <laughs> <laughs> the way it should be. Oh, that's awesome. Well, and my daughter. Gonna, she'd beat you too? Absolutely. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, that's going to do it today for our uh, this episode of the Oregon Basketball Coaches Association podcast. We'd like to thank Coach Doug Miles for joining us today. If you follow, if you have any follow-up questions or want to get a hold of Coach Miles, you can find his contact information in the episode description. Until then, keep grinding.